everybody. Welcome to the Patty G Show. I'm your host, Patty G. We are here with Ozzy Fernandez of Go Eat Concepts. We are going to be talking about some tequilas that are in front of us. We're going to talk about the restaurant industry, the the Go Eats concepts, and all the restaurants underneath their umbrella and everything they've got going on. And it's really going to be a fun episode. I'm excited to get some tequila education in addition to restaurant education. So it's going to be a great episode. You want to stick around for all of that. Before we get going, a big thank you to the wonderful people making this possible. Belaya Real Estate, Currency Bank, Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge, Mallard Bay Outdoors, Government Taco, and Horizon Financial Group. Stay tuned to the end of the episode to hear a little bit more about our sponsors making this possible. But without further ado, Ozzy, welcome to the show, man. Hey, glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Patty G. Absolutely. I'm glad uh, I'm glad Conrad put us in touch and we're able to make this happen. Yeah, look forward to it. A lot of fun. Absolutely. So before before we get into the thick of things, I'm a we we've already started. We've already gone through um, this bottle of what is this Classe Azul? Classe Azul, yeah. So what what is the um the next tequila that I need to be pouring? Uh, we're probably gonna start with the the Blanco, the Plata, which is the Ocho. It's one of my favorites. Very clean uh, tequila Ocho. You know, blue agave. Um, it's great, just clean, fun tequila. Excellent. And so this is something that people can get at one of your restaurant concepts, Modesto, right? Correct. So let's go. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you got to pour me get a little yourself. bit too. Don't forget about me. Absolutely. We're both here. So, yeah, so you can get all these tequilas at Modesto. Yeah, I brought all these from the restaurant. Excellent. So what? Go Eats Concept. Cheers, man. Thanks for coming on. Definitely. Good to be here. Here's to, to fun time and tequila. Right. <laughs> so Go Eats Concept, uh, dictated from the board behind us, has a lot of different restaurants underneath it. So sure. we want to backtrack a little bit before that and kind of figure out how we got here. So who who is Ozzy? Who are you, man? Well, I'm just a regular old guy, you know, just trying to make it happen, living the American dream, right? So my first concept was, was Izzo's Illegal Burrito, opened up on Burbank Drive, right by LSU, back in 2001. Your producer, Barrett, over here, is Barrett? Is that right? Yes, Barrett, yeah. Barrett, yeah. He actually Barrett went to the, uh, he told me he went to the opening party, so that's, that's an interesting uh, blast from the past, right? Um, and so, uh, 2001 and, uh, we've opened up several locations, obviously. Um, and then my second concept was lit pizza. Uh, that actually took me a little while, you know, to open a second concept. Uh, I think we opened in 2016, right after the floods. So 15 years in between the first concept and the second. Correct. Yeah. I focused on opening more Izzo's. Okay. Um, and it kind of evolved, you know, we can kind of get into some of that, but the, you know, you know, focused in on full service. Those were fast casual mm-hmm. restaurants. So I had the you know, Mexican fast casual, the pizza fast casual. And then I opened up Roca Pizzeria on Government Street, which is more of a full service, you know, full bar, wine program, beverage program. Great chef over there that's doing amazing things. Really good garlic knots. <laughs> those, oh, garlic those garlic knots. knots. Brussels those sprouts. Are die for the Brussels sprouts. It's got a great yes. team. Yeah, it really has a I really have a great team. We can get into that, too, because that's really where the core of who I am is really surrounding myself with, with great people. You mentioned Conrad and yeah. my CFO, and he's tremendous. So, uh, And then we opened up Modesto, which was kind of, uh, you know, my little baby, you know, since I am of Mexican heritage. My, both of my parents are from Mexico, and, and uh, you know, Izzo's a little bit more Tex-Mex, and um, Modesto, our, our slogan is Mas Mex, less Tex. 
and so we kind of kind of went regional and family recipes and a little bit more, you know, I hate to use the word authentic, but you know, a lot of people use that word. So, uh, we're doing fun things over there though. So, and then we have our commissary kitchen, our food distribution, which is central kitchen foods. Okay. We do our own uh, production for a lot of our restaurants and other restaurants and other venues, uh, our own produce program and uh, kind of self-distribution, if you would, uh, to, to really help secure some of the purchasing power and keep our menu prices as low for our guests as possible. All right, and make sure that the continuity across all the brands remains Correct. the same. Exactly. The consistency is number one. Right. So backing up, I mean, how did you get into Izzo's in 2001? So what was your what was your story leading up to opening those doors on Burbank Drive? Yeah, I, I, you know, first of all, I didn't grow. I wasn't born in Louisiana, but I feel like Louisiana is my home. It's, we welcome it's been, you. It's been great to us, to me and my family, my wife, Leslie, and my three kids, um, Baton Rouge specifically. So, you know, this is home to us. So I grew up in Houston. I went to school uh, at A&M and graduated from A&M. And then I went to culinary school, uh, you know, the culinary arts. You know, growing up with my mom, she was such a unbelievable, and she still is, unbelievable cook, you know, Mexican cook specifically, right? So we grew up much like Louisiana people, entertaining friends and family and around the coffee, I mean, around the dinner table. And and um, so I kind of had a, didn't know I had a passion. Uh, I had a great friend, actually one of my best friends in college. We lived together. His family owned uh, restaurants in Houston, good company. They have several concepts as well. So he and I spent a lot of time together, and we actually did a lot of barbecue cook-offs. And we can get okay. in. That's a whole nother separate <laughs> conversation. But we, we had a, well, he had a trailer uh, pits and spits smoker. So pits through pretty much my college career, we smoked a lot of meats, brisket, pork, ribs, and we entered a lot of cook-offs. We, we, was that we, like? we hitched it up to the truck. We threw an old um, sofa in the back, a couple of chairs, and uh, we had this sound <laughs> system that we threw in in the back. And we, we rolled up to these barbecue cook-offs around texas for the weekend and uh, we were kind of some young they probably looked at us as some young punks you know with right. a nice smoker right it was a really nice offset smoker uh, pits and spits is a really nice brand out of houston and it's a full trailer and and uh so uh we had a lot of fun you know we, we did chili cook-offs and we we started cooking a lot at our home um so i kind of fell in love with just you know cooking and entertaining and uh Med school, you know, just kind of uh, have a degree in biology and, you know, it just... Uh, Wait, so, so you went to med school as well? <laughs> no, 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 I didn't. I said, that was my aspiration. That was your, that was, oh, that was your path you were running well, to go Oh, you're down. 18, 19, I mean, 21. Yeah. I mean, you don't know what you want to do at that time. It's pretty tough. You just want right? to smoke meat on the weekends, yeah, right? smoke meat, yeah. Yeah, smoking the good stuff, right? The meats, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, from there, I went to culinary school. Um, I didn't graduate from the culinary school because um, I was already working for some restaurants in Houston. I teamed up with some chefs. And I was learning more on the job than I was in school. Um, and so uh, I took some positions there, and I did a lot of consulting. Uh, and my Spanish helped me a lot. You know, being bilingual, um, a lot of our workforce Spanish-speaking. And so, um, you know, I learned a lot how to open restaurants uh, what was successful and what, what didn't work. Some restaurants closed. Uh, and so we would design the menu. We would create 
uh, we'd order, you know, the equipment, we'd work with the architect and we'd design the kitchen. And, um, you know, from there we would train the staff and we'd open up and, you know, our month long consulting gig was kind of up and we moved on. So that really kind of set the stage for me in, in terms of opening up my own restaurant. And so, um, you know, I wrote a business plan for, uh, you know, a burrito restaurant, you know, I kind of saw what was happening around the country. So, you know, Chipotle, some other concepts that were doing well. And, you know, with my Mexican heritage, I felt like that's something I can do. I can probably do that. It's in your wheelhouse. Yeah, it's in my wheelhouse. And so, uh, I had a great friend, Wes Davis, that played baseball at LSU. He was from Houston and, you know, just probably hitting happy hour in Houston. He said, you ought to think about opening up at Baton Rouge. And then my wife's best friend is from Baton Rouge and uh, went to LSU. And she said, we were, she said the same thing. And I said, yeah, that's a, probably a good idea to maybe get out of Texas where so, the saturation is. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, the saturation yeah. within that branch of restaurants, either Texas or Texas. I mean, it's either barbecue in Texas or like Tex-Mex. Like those Correct. are your two options. So to open up another Tex-Mex restaurant, Correct. you're going to be within the same realm as everybody else. It's the analogy of opening a, a, a shrimp pool boy place in New Orleans, right? Right. I mean, if, if you go to Tucson, you, maybe your chances of success are a little <laughs> a little greater. You know? Right. Maybe a little harder to get the, the ingredients, but yeah. You're right. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. So had you ever been to Baton Rouge like before then, like to visit? Or did you have any knowledge of Baton Rouge? Or were you coming in blind? I was coming in blind. Yeah. So, uh. You know, I, I, I drove over here, and I found that location right by LSU. I wanted to be by the campus. Okay. Uh, I thought the campus would be a great location. You know, college students, you know, big burritos, a lot of generous portions, great value. You know, it's just kind of what right up the college kids. It's what they're looking for. Yeah. And, What's the uh, most amount of food we can correct. get yeah. for the least amount of money? Sure, yeah. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. So I moved here. Um, you know, it opened up. Um, you know, it was a lot of challenges. It sounds easy, but it certainly was a lot of challenges. And uh, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. So, when you had experience in the consulting world, right, helping other concepts Correct. open their restaurants, so it's not like it was a shot in the dark per se for you. No, it wasn't a shot in the dark, but I was alone, and I think that That's was a difference. the difference. Yeah. So now I have, you know, when we open restaurants, I, I'm, I, I won't say I'm not involved, but in the operations, you know, we have just a great staff, great team great leadership management that just they know what they're doing you know at that time i didn't even know what i was doing (laughs) (laughs) so so you opened the location on burbank i mean how were those first couple of years tremendous yeah baton rouge just came in you know i mean from from a sales standpoint was great you know i think the, the the feedback was great um you know college kids were coming in but we noticed that it just wasn't college kids you know, it was all likes of people, you know, all age groups, all demographics. Um, and so we said, well, you know, that's that's interesting that, you know, families are coming in. Kids love it. I don't I don't think I had a kid's menu at the beginning. I didn't have kids at the time. And so you're you're <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not on your head. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's definitely not on the top of your mind, like changing tables mm-hmm. in the restroom. I didn't have those. You know, we added those as as. Look, you, know. you you don't think about that when you're not in that phase, but like now I've got like a five month old, and it, the first thing I notice in the restaurant is do they have a change table in the bathroom? Yeah. More that, importantly, do they have a change table in the men's uh, restroom? Yeah. <laughs> like, as I'm the one going change the sure, diaper at the sure. restaurant, so it's 
when you're in that frame of mind, you're not thinking about all of the other avenues that could happen. But once you add on those additions, then you start thinking about it. So did y'all like expand into a kid's menu for Izzo's? Yeah, I think we did. I, you know, I can't remember when we did that, but we certainly had the demand from, you know, seeing families and, you know, probably mothers or fathers telling me, hey, you ought to maybe think about a kid's menu, you know? Um, and so, uh, yeah, we added that, which was simple. And But you're right, you know, when you're not in that frame of mind, you know, once I had kids, all the stores got, you know. Oh, cha- changing we were, tables, yeah, everything. <laughs> it, it's it's amazing with how your view on that changes, you know. So, yeah. So, um yeah, and then we opened up store number two, I think, a couple years later. You know? So where was the second location? It was on Blue Bonnet, Jefferson, which is still Jefferson. one of our busier locations. Okay, yeah, yeah, right at the corner of Blue Bonnet and Jefferson. Yep. Correct. I'm exactly yeah. where that's at. Yeah, okay. I think they had just opened up that Blue that Bonnet. That little strip mall right, right there. By Clay Cut, by mm-hmm. you, you know, that I think that they connected. Clay know, Cut. Or not, is it Clay Cut? I don't even remember. You know, Jefferson and Blue Bonnet tied in, head into like Airline Highway. And sure, all but that. the bayou that runs or a little creek. Oh, the that. bayou. Yeah. Oh, I have no so. idea. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, okay, um, so that was location two. That was. Okay. Yeah. So I, I hear going from one location to two locations is the hardest. Was there a point where you realized it was time to open a second location? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think we were ready. Um, you know, we had great, again, it was surrounding myself with great people, right? I mean, it really entrusting in the staff and the team, kind of being a family. We, we, I mean, we consider Go Eat Concepts a big family of restaurants. And, uh, you know, I think that really believing in, you know, our team members and, and allowing them to, you know, take, you know, not deviate from the business plan per se, but, you know, have their own style of management in there, I think is unique for, for what we do. So, you know, at that time I felt like we were ready to move on. I was still pretty young. You know, I opened up when I was 26, which is. Okay. That's yeah, still pretty young to, yeah. open, to open a restaurant. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. So, you know, uh, it, it was probably, I was 20, 28, 29. So, you know, I still could relate to a lot of our, our staff is young, you know, so I felt like I could relate to them. And, and, uh, and, and the main thing for me was being in the trenches. I spent a lot of time inside the restaurants working, helping guests, um, you know, we call all, we don't call them customers. We call them guests. Um, you know, we're welcoming you into our home or into our business, into our establishment. And, um, and, and really, I think that culture kind of took off with our, our, our team and really not cutting corners, right? One thing I you know, really put my foot down is like, we're not going to cut corners. When I came here, um, you know, one of the local produce companies that I had to buy produce from, didn't have fresh corn, and I was, I was my mind was blown. I said, "Wait, you know, a produce company doesn't have fresh corn?" Yeah, we, you know, I only use fresh corn. Right. Yeah, you know, we grill it on the grill, cut it off the cob, and uh, you know, kind of like I grew up doing, you know, back at the ranch. You know, mm-hmm. and um, I, you know, they were like, "Well, we use frozen corn here," and I said, I, "I can't do frozen corn," you know. So, but our 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 commitment to quality, right? You know, using 100 avocados, not cutting not using pasteurized process, you know, grilling our meats and just really taking pride in what we do day in and day out. I think our team really, you know, I think you could sell anything if you believe in it, right? And I think, you know, for a lot, our team really believes in our product. Well, and then it it holds true within the quality of the product. I mean, we, so we did a tailgate pack from Izzo's for this past weekend for our office. And I think it was yesterday morning, 
yesterday around lunchtime, somebody brought it back out for all of us to kind of finish eating on, and you could eat that stuff cold. Like, oh, it was wow. still delicious. <laughs> I was like, okay, this is, like, you can tell the quality is there, which means the time and attention to detail is there on y'all's part. Y'all are oh, making well, sure you're shopping around it. and getting the, the highest of quality. You're not going with the frozen options. You're going with those fresh options that you can get to make sure you're maintaining that standard of what you want to serve to your guests. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the name of the game. I mean, I think people are willing to pay for quality. Right. right. You know, and that's they'd rather have a quality meal. That's, you know, and, and Izzo's Mexican food is very natural. You know, it's a lot of great quality ingredients. And I think people enjoy it. It's great for families. And, uh, you know, we enjoy serving people. And that's kind of what we do is that we're in the service industry. So and you want you want to make sure those guests are all served across the board, the same standard. Of food. Correct. So it took you, I'm a, we're going to, what's the next bottle of tequila? Well, we're going to move to a Reposado. Okay. So we we did the Blanco. The the Excelia is great. I think I had a little bit of that earlier. So the Reposado, you know, it's aged in some, you know, oak barrels for maybe two to 12 months. Okay. Um, You know, we call it Repo. Um, You know, a little vanilla hint from the oak barrel. Just a little great sipping tequila. Um. And that's a great, great quality repo there. Okay. So this is more. Join you here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Finish what you got going. So this is going to have some hints of vanilla on it as well A little bit from the, you know, from the aging of the the oak barrels. I can't remember this specific one. I know the Art Gnome, which is fantastic. That's an Anejo, which is a little bit, it's aged longer, a year to three years. And that's where you and get that, that dark coloration in French from? Cabernet Franc uh, barrels, you know. So, um, you know, high quality wine, but they, they they bring these barrels from France and they age it in there, which is going to you know just kind of give it some hints of cinnamon, vanilla, uh, just makes it easy on the uh, on the palate and great to sip. I like it. So this one, I almost got like a white chocolate on the nose. A little bit of white chocolate, maybe. A little bit, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. You're picking that up. And the vanilla. Okay, yeah. So I get both. I get both of those notes. So cheers to cheers. Fifteen years in the business before you opened your next different concept. So fifteen years. How many? How many locations were y'all out of Izzo's whenever it came time to 2016 when y'all opened? I think uh, around lit? 16. Okay. I want to say, if I, memory serves me, I kind of my memory is getting bad. <laughs> getting old <laughs> <laughs> it comes with age right <laughs> that's what it does yeah so going into lit um and for those that don't know what lit pizza is it's kind of the same idea same format of Izzo's, but it's pizzas correct yeah and and so you know again it was my travels around the country specifically to california i was going to uh, salinas uh, to visit our lettuce farm, not our lettuce farms, but we, we purchase a lot of from TNA, which is Tana Maria and Antle. Great group. Uh, sometimes you see their lettuces in Costco and not fantastic family. Actually, it's a great story. Uh, Japanese family is the Tanamura and the Antle is an American family, and it goes back to World War II with the Japanese, and and, and they, they came together. They owned a lot of the land, but... Obviously, they were having trouble selling produce because of the, you know, what was happening with the war. Uh, great. And they do a great program. So my travels over there led me to some, you know, concepts that were doing the fast casual pizza. You know, and I said, wow, 
uh, I trained under an Italian chef, um, Richard Pignetti, and uh, so I did a lot of pizzas. <laughs> so, so I, you know, Italian food is kind of like my second love, you know. So okay. uh, I felt like, you know, I, I know a lot about pizza. It's it's time to do another concept. Um, I so think. What made you think it was time to do another concept? Well, I think if I'd had the commissary, I call it commissary, which is Central Kitchen. You know, we could have expanded further because of the, again, it's the consistency, producing the product, um, and, and, and self-distribution, uh, and being able to, you know, we, we buy trailer loads of, you know, beans and flour and cheese and, you know, so we, we, we kind of self-distribute to our own self, which has allowed us to keep our menu prices. We, we didn't have a menu increase for four years at Lit, you know, or Izzo's. And, you know, we work hard to, to do our job to keep the menu prices as low for our guests as possible, right? You know, it's being tough now, what we're going through with inflation. Oh, I'm sure. You know, which we've never seen some of these crazy increases. But, you know, if I'd had the commissary, I think we could have expanded further. Um, and I think most, um, I think you gain quality. You don't lose it. A lot of people think you lose quality, but I think you, you gain it. Um, but so I kind of wanted to be more regional and that's kind of what we're focusing on now is being a regional hospitality brand is, you know, we've got a couple more concepts that we want to roll out. Obviously COVID. And kind of put a damper on everything for everybody. I mean, it, you know, we, we've been fortunate through COVID, you know, just with, I think we were positioned with, you know, the way our food is packaged and traveled and, you know, pizza is you know was the number one number one food during COVID. So uh, we were very fortunate there, and Mexican food has remained very hot. Um, and so, but you're right, the real estate market and development and things of that nature have taken, you know, kind of a backseat a little bit. People are a little less risk tolerance is kind of lowered a little bit. But um, we wanted to expand, and uh, I said, well, I can do pizza. And we're already doing the kind of, you know, at Izzo's, we call it roll your own. So I said, well, why don't we craft our own pizza? And so that's kind of how, you know, Lit was born. And, um, and you know, it was, uh, we worked hard on it. And, uh, again, I felt like I wanted to open by LSU. LSU was great to us. It has very long tentacles, all right, alumni. So, it it has college students. It has so family. Many. So it, much. So much, right? And, you know, a lot of the times I'd have parents come up to me and say, you know, I, I kept seeing this charge for Izzo's on my, on, my, <laughs> on my kid's credit card. I had to come see what it was. It's like, why are you eating there or, or lit pizza, you know? So I, I felt like it was a good launch, you know, launching area. And so we opened up right on Burbank and, uh, and you know, it took off. And, uh, like, and y'all are almost like next door to each other. We well, yeah, are on Burbank. Close, close, yeah, very close. And um, and so yeah, that's been a fun, great concept. You know, it's uh, staff again. Our leadership team there is tremendous, and and I think our our team members just have so much fun. You know, building pizzas, and I think you know the wood oven. Uh, the again, it's the what we call the full dining experience. You know, it's. It's generous portions, created a great value, high quality ingredients in a fun and clean atmosphere. And uh, if we can execute that on a daily basis for our guests, then, you know, I think um, 
you know, people, they've been very pleased with that. Yeah, and it's it's also a, an interesting concept in the fact of location to Izzo's from time to time. Like, y'all will almost be a, a door or two down from each other with some of these concepts with Izzo's and Lit, where they're almost paired within these shopping centers, which gives families the opportunity to satisfy different cravings depending on the night. So, for example, y'all's, uh, one of y'all newer locations on Highland and, and Blue Bonnet. Correct. It's their next. City their, Square. Yeah. City Square. They're literally next door to each other. And so I've I've been there before and seen families come and go. Like they almost like did a split. Like the dad took one or two of the kids to Izzo's and the mom took one or two of the kids to Lit. And they're able to get different meals, but then come and sit next to each other and enjoy their dinner together. And so was that, I'm sure it was planned, but like what in, what went into that kind of planning strategy of saying we can potentially put these two concepts right next to each other. No, 100%. That was exactly the plan, you know, and that's kind of our plan going forward through development, right? So we've got four concepts. We're looking to add a couple more, uh, but create a destination for families or for people uh, that they can choose, you know, and, and not everybody wants the same thing every night. I knew I have three kids and it's, you know, it's a battle between what we're we going to eat for dinner, you know, or where are we going to go? Mm-hmm. You know, if it's not one of our restaurants, it's, you know, some other restaurant. But, um, you know, it gives people options. You, you hit the nail on the head. And it's been, that location's been very good to us. Um, and it, we love the concept of having a dual, maybe even a triple concept, you know, where, you know, not the food court mentality, but right. having a shared patio uh, where people can can come and congregate. Actually, the, you know, dining al fresco is obviously through COVID has become very popular but it's tough in south louisiana i mean it you know we in the dog days of summer we, we're it's it brutal out there. i don't like to eat when outside <laughs> no. when it's 110 degrees you know no, unless so. i've got a very very cold beverage <laughs> it's rough yeah to get through those excruciatingly warm or hot summer days that we have yeah so no we we definitely see that as an avenue of of growing you know is is providing a destination for our guest in a multi-concept arrangement so in 2016 you opened lit and then how quickly were you able to expand that over multiple locations so the commissary you know i we uh i purchased the building and and we you know started putting assembling that team together um you know get delivery trucks and and all the equipment um you know we we moved our our dough program, which we still do fresh every day. Uh, we just, we, you know, doing dough at the restaurants at the volume that we're doing is very taxing for the staff. And, and so we wanted to, to move that out and we, we invested and, and kind of, you know, st- commercialize that process, you know, and, um, and, and not only that, just, you know, Izzo's the same aspect and buying direct, you know, our produce program, I supply, our restaurants with, uh, you know, about 90% of our produce and we buy direct. And, and so that's really eliminated, you know, from a cost standpoint, allowed us to keep our menu prices again, not have a menu increase for four or five years um, and the consistency of that. So that allowed us to expand lit quicker is to answer your question was through the commissary. So when, when did the commissary come on, come into the picture? I think it was like 2018, 
Okay, so two two years after lit, correct. Seventeen years after opening is up. Yeah, we were doing the dough, we're doing the sauces, everything there, which is you know again we we take pride in that. You know we we want to do it, but we're now we're just doing it on a grander scale, and right. we're delivering every day with and, our own trucks. And like you said, it also allows you to maintain that quality over every restaurant. You know, exactly. and and it's able to again cut your costs when you're purchasing in that amount of quantity to then disperse it to all your different locations. Correct. It just is. When you get to the point of with items that need to get prepared daily, you've got to have either a central kitchen, something that can take in that amount of volume and then distribute it to everywhere else and not have to rely on each individual restaurant ordering from the same vendor, the same items, et cetera. You're able to prepare it all and then send it out the same day, which just is for quality control. I'm sure it's just absolutely been a relief of having to go through all that. No, yeah, I think you you sound like you know your way around a commissary. Yeah. No, that that's certainly the uh, the idea behind it and that's what we're doing and it's been very beneficial to our, you know, to our organization as a whole. And so it really allowed us to uh, you know, Roca, we opened in an 18, um, you know, Roca does about 95% of its own production. I think there's a couple items we do at the okay. commissary. So that one is staying true, you know, the dough is done there. Um, you know, I've got a great team with Kara and Sean, uh, over there heading up that program and, um, you know, our dough program over there, it's a little different. It's Neapolitan style. So, you know, in my travels again, just, you know, around the country, New Orleans even had great Neapolitan style. I, I fell in love with Neapolitan so what, style. What, what's Neapolitan for those I don't know? Well, Naples, Italy, it's kind of the birthplace of pizza. Okay. Um, and, you know, most of the stuff that I was doing was high gluten flour, which is New York style. Great. Nothing wrong with that. American flour is great. Uh, but, you know, with Neapolitan, it's it's double zero and it's it's finely milled. It's it's very tolerant to heat. You know, this 900 degree oven, American flour, you know, tends to burn pretty quickly in that aspect. Um, it's it high higher hydration. Um, and, uh, traditionally kind of Neapolitan, a lot of people don't, I think, uh, or what's our friend, Port, Portno, Portney, Portnoy, Portnoy, yeah. Portnoy. Prez. It, yeah. David Portnoy. Prez. He's yeah. not a big fan the, the of Prez. Neapolitan pizza. I mean, I think no. he gives it a, like a seven point. Yeah, he, he, he rates those extremely low. Um, <laughs> yeah, he does. He, so from watch, from watching, uh, for those that don't know, uh, David Portnoy is the, is the founder and CEO, I believe, of Barstool, Barstool Sports. Sports yeah. So, and they just did something with our friends over at Kane's. Um, he rated the chicken fingers with the sauce and all that oh, stuff. Oh, did he really? Okay, I didn't know that. That's yeah, awesome. so they, they just did a whole thing about the, the Final Four or whatnot, and so he did a chicken, chicken finger review. And he gave Canes like a nine three. Oh wow! And this everyone commented saying, "You need the sauce. You need the sauce." So he added the Canes sauce, and it came up to a nine six. Oh wow! So, but within his pizza review, so David does a lot of pizza reviews. I think he was in New Orleans, right, for the March Madness. Yes, and so this this was the event. So Kane sponsored it, and they okay. brought in you know Kane. They brought in the chicken fingers and Todd and all of them were all over there, and so he did the whole chicken finger review, which was different from his pizza review. But I think he likes a good like thin crust crunchy pizza that he can fold and fold in half well and just you get a little bit of New York crunch, style you get a little bit of yeah, a crunch to it. Wrong. yeah that's great I love and, that. and those are the pieces from, sure. from what I've seen I haven't sure. seen all of them from yeah. what I've seen yeah. that's what he rates higher than the thicker dough pizza styles Correct. which is the well Neapolitan's not a 
thicker dough. I, okay. I think the corner cone, which is the crust. Yeah, was that Brooklyn uh, style? Which is the thicker crust pizza? Chicago. There it is, yeah, Chicago. Chicago. Thank you. So, um, yeah, so, you know, actually Neapolitan is very thin. It is. So. But it's kind of a fork and knife pizza. And I think that's kind of, you know, it's a little bit more. Now that you, you, know, say, now that you say that, it is a, I, I do eat. I do eat a leftover lamp, roca with, you know, a, with a fork and knife. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it is a fork and knife pizza. Um, but it is the birthplace of pizza, right? I mean, it, it, it Naples, Italy. Um, so we add uh, a little bit of, uh, we do add a little bit of American flour to give it some stability. Because, uh, you know, we are Americans, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I don't want to eat a fork and knife pizza. So yeah, um, yeah. I think you would get some. Some very weird yeah. looks if yeah. you were eating pizza with a fork and knife in Louisiana. Yeah. Well, yeah, you probably would. That's right. So, yeah, you know, Roca's, you know, doing, again, the dough program over there is tremendous. You know, it's a sourdough uh, starter that we, it's, it, we use the BIGA method. Uh, that's B-I-G-A. And it's basically we add old dough, well, not old dough, but the days previous. The, the, the previous days of dough. Back in. Okay. And so and what, what does much. that do? Well, it just keeps the culture alive, right? Okay. You know? And uh, it, it's it's like a living organism, basically. And uh, the sourdough starter that, you know, we originally started out with. And so, you know, I'm hoping that maybe, I hope a team member didn't forget to put it in. And we're <laughs> I think they're putting it in. It's you're, you're pretty saying we're doing it's it like a ritual. Day. It's like a ritual to make sure it goes in. Right. Well, because yeah. that's, so with, with sourdough, that is something like you have to cultivate that, that host almost. Sure. Of the sourdough, because my mom used to make homemade bread from wheat. She would, she would, exactly. We yeah. would ship in wheat from Montana. Yeah. And so we would, and then she started like selling wheat and mills and grinders. And she had like a whole, like, whole bread business on the side. But she would grind her own wheat and make her own bread. Wow. And then That's we, tremendous. and then How we, how come you're not in the bread business? Well, because <laughs> it's very tedious. <laughs> and, and she then got to the point where, I mean, because we were also, so we were also homeschooled, right? So and I'm, Fourth of five, so she's homeschooling four children, and, and making bread, bread wow. and meeting with the other moms to to basically tell them about her bread baking experience. Wow. And then they were inviting her, Patrice, you got to come into our home and make bread for everybody. And so she would come and make bread, and they're like, "Where do you buy your stuff?" And so it was a natural fit for her to say, "Well, I'm just going to start selling all the stuff sure. I am using to make bread." But yeah, so the sourdough she would make, you would have to start with a base, and then Correct. you could grow on that base. But if you lost it, you have to start from square Correct. one. And then yeah. she got into kombucha, which essentially oh, wow. is the same thing. Yeah. You start with that living yeah. organism that grows and t- grows over sure. time, and you're cutting it up to make more batches. And she got on a whole different train with kombucha and started giving out the amoebas and whatnot. Yeah, you, was can in add, them. you can get it from a drink now. Well, right? yeah, and you well, can you can buy it in like Whole Foods cult, or, yeah. or fresh for a fresh market. Fermented, cultured, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, I didn't, I mean, I was never a fan of it really when and she would make it because I was probably in high school or college. I'm like, oh, kombucha? No, yeah. mom, no, no. But That's awesome. as of now, when you drink it, I'm like, this is actually yeah. pretty good stuff. Yeah. Like, it's it's not mom's that a powerhouse. bad. Homeschooling and oh, baking bread. I mean, she is a she's I mean, moms a are resilient. I mean, they're <laughs> unbelievable, huh? She, she's a saint. Then we did a whole, we raised goats and chickens and horses oh, wow. and cows. And yeah. I was milking goats in high school and was late, late to prom because I had to milk goats. <laughs> That's all right. That's that's a great story. That, yeah, I'm that, late to the prom for milk. That's what I was. I was I was an hour late to prom at my girlfriend and at the time who now she's she's my wife and we have a kid. So clearly it didn't affect it that much. 
But yeah, it was an hour late to prom because I had to milk the goats because my dad and my brothers were off duck hunting. And I had to milk the goats before I could leave to go to prom. So no. I, was, I was an hour late. The party was at her house. She had all of her friends over. She took prom pictures with her dad. Oh wow! Before I showed up, <laughs> did you tell her you, you had to milk the goats? I, I did. It still didn't. So go you were over. truthful. I was very truthful. I was, like, I was like, I'm late because I got to milk the goats. Like Char- Charlotte, <laughs> like I'm I'm late because I got to milk the goats. And she was understanding. That's a great story. <laughs> and then my mom the next day was very was very apologetic about the fact that she caused like the goats caused um, the my my in laws now their daughter's boyfriend to be late to prom was from the goats. So my mom made amends by bringing a loaf of bread <laughs> a freshly baked loaf of bread like was still warm when she delivered oh, it wow. and after after they ate it they're like oh yeah you're forgiven just <laughs> oh, fresh bread is hard to beat that so it really is so I, i'm 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 familiar with that concept of the sourdough needing that Correct. base yeah. so that's what y'all do at roca is kind of continue that sure. that organism throughout every yeah, day we're very chef driven you know, Chef Kara over there just does a tremendous job. She's one of the best in the business. And, you know, Sean and his program with the, the beverage program or wine program, cocktails, you know. So we, you know, very proud of that store. It's a little neighborhood pizzeria and, you know, mid-city. And that's kind of what we, you know, originally um, my landlord there, um, Jack. Hey, Jack, I hope you're listening. Uh, great guy. Uh, they had called me to come look at it for, I mean, for lit. And uh, it was the old Goutte space. You remember? I mean, it was Goutte. 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 I'm not, not, not familiar with that. No, and you I was, don't remember that? So I, I, I live, ironically, I live about 45 seconds from Roca. I live in Mid-City, oh, wow. Baton Rouge. I didn't know that. Um, okay. So, yeah. we Great we, area. We It's a yeah. great area. We Roca's our frequent um, spot. So I didn't know what was there beforehand, but I know they've got that little convenience store right Sure. On the side of y'all. Yeah. Can it tell us? Can it tell us? There yeah. it is. But I feel like for that space, it was almost kind of like too big for a lit. Well, it was too big and too historic. Okay. I felt like Mid City deserved another lit's a great brand. I mean, but absolutely, you know, it's a little bit more, it's not a uh, one off, right? Right. And, and Government Street is adhering more to a sit down crowd. Yes. The, the, exactly. the crowd that, especially with, I mean, the Government Street boom is just crazy over Street. the last decade. I mean, so many new concepts have opened up, and the old concepts mm-hmm. that have closed down have been filled with new concepts. I mean, yeah. the Stephen Hightower Spoken Hub that yeah. he just opened up. Hightower's doing a great job, yeah. Great concept. And so with y'all with Roca, when you went and looked at it, was with the mindset of lit, did you have Roca on your mind at all? I did. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, again, so you, through were, my you, travels, you were meditating Roca. Through my travels, you know, around the country, just I always seeked out Neapolitan style pizza. I, I, I absolutely love it. I, I, I agree with. I disagree with the press, right? I would. <laughs> I would be rating, <laughs> you, Neapolitan, be rating the Neapolitans yeah. higher. Yeah, I love New York style. Don't get me wrong. I love all styles of pizza. I mean, that's the great thing about pizza. I mean, is you can't go wrong with it, right? But Neapolitan to me, the the the, the craftsmanship, the art, you know, it's artisan style. You know what goes into it. You know the 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 sourdough starter, the culture, the you know. There's a whole certification process which we don't do because we don't adhere to the the standards of the Neapolitan style. You know, there's only certain ingredients you can put on there, and we didn't want to limit our chef's ability to add arugula or you know mm-hmm. other types of proteins to the pizza. But uh, so I mean, it's regulated. You know, and it's a great you know our our 
or wood oven. It's 100% wood. Uh, you know, it, it cooks between 8.50 and 9.50, you know, depending on uh, any time of the day. But uh, uh, we, you know, it's not only are we a pizzeria, we've evolved into, you know, small plates and, you know, allowing the chef to kind of present different ideas. So it's it's been a great neighborhood eatery for, you know, we get a lot of great feedback from from Roca. Absolutely. And the, <clears throat> the, the garlic knots and the Brussels sprouts, like we said earlier, those are just... Yeah, I mean, those, those like that. If anytime we go to Roca, my wife is always like, "You better come back with garlic knots." Yeah, no, certainly. So, you know, quick story on Roca. I mean, I so originally I was writing the rest, uh, the recipes and the menu for Roca, and then you know I, I met Alon Chaya, which is a good friend, you know, a friend of mine, and and uh, you know I approached him about you know he's kind of the you know he really mastered that level of pizza. And so, you know, we, we consulted with Alon. I don't know if a lot of people know that, but he came in and helped me, you know, really did the menu. And, uh, you know, which, you know, he's a James Beard Award chef and just talented with food. And so, you know, I, you know, visited, you know, his restaurants in New Orleans frequently. And I thought that would be a great addition to, you know, the Baton Rouge scene. So. And it, and it has been. <clears throat> I mean, every, everybody I've talked to, that have been to Roca have had nothing but raving reviews about the, the the full menu, all the options that are there. And it is, it's a nice place to stop in, whether it's just the two of you, whether it's as a, as a, it's a couple, you're a single person or you're a family. It's got an, an environment and an atmosphere that adheres to everybody. Yep. I mean, that's um, my wife and I went there probably a couple months ago before we had our son and we just sat at the bar and it was just, a pleasant experience all the way around, even right. at the bar, even sitting sure. at the bar yeah, I like and ordering bar. food. I, lo- I love, I love underrated. I like eating at the bar. Okay. I'm glad yeah. I'm not alone <laughs> in that. Like I'll go to, I'll yeah. go to a restaurant and they'll say, all right, we got some tables. I'm like, your bar is pretty yeah. cool. Can we yeah. sit there? Yeah. Especially with, you know, with your wife or your couples, you know, it's great. Cause you kind of meet other people and just kind of socialize. You do. You, we met, we met some, some great people there that night that, was like you wouldn't have you wouldn't you don't meet anybody when you go and sit down at a table in a restaurant. Correct. When you go to sit, you're sitting with whomever you came with. That's who you're talking to. That's who you're interacting with. But when you sit at the bar, now you've got the added element of the bartender mm-hmm. and whomever else is sitting at the bar with you. So you've got this little bit of family that's extended. So you meet new people. Sure. So before we before we dive any further, we're we're both in need of a top off. What oh, is yeah. what is the next bottle of tequila to the, we're gonna uh, go into? The Arte Norm, which, uh, Nom, I'm sorry, which is kind of it's a Spanish word for distilleries, but it's art distillery, basically translation. Okay. Um, great program. Again, these this is an anejo, which is you know it's aged longer uh, than you know it's the longest aging. Uh, again, these are some French barrels that they bring in um, to age in Mexico. It's out of Jalisco. Um, you know, it's one of the finest ones you can get, you know. Um, and then for those that aren't. Of the quality, it's just great. And for those that aren't watching the show, um, that, but that are listening to us, it's a darker color than the rest of the tequilas that we have been drinking so far. So, and they get that through the aging process you were describing to me? Yeah, the, the barrels. You know, two. I think this one's aged about three years, so it's going to take on some of the, the color from the, from the barrels. You know, just naturally. 
Okay. So you've got these these three concepts with a support kitchen that you're going into with the opening of Roca. So you've got your Izzo's, you've got your Lit, and you've got your Roca, which Roca is kind of like a 90-degree turn from the two previous concepts. Well, so I, you know, during my consulting years, all I did was fine dining. So I kind of oh, okay. I kind of came from the fine dining world. Um, and so I kind of, you know, I think being in the fine dining led me to fast casual. <laughs> what, what And then being in fast what, casual led you to fine led me back to kind of where I got my start in in the restaurant business. So um before we deep dive in that, I want to talk about this, this Arte Nam. Yeah. Arte so Nam, it's, you said that good. So I get um like a like a hint of caramel. Yeah. With a maybe a little cinnamon. Okay. Maybe some cinnamon here. I had some earlier. Almost like a maple syrup on the nose. So like like some Again, this is a okay, uh, I get some a Cabernet Franc. Okay. It's the barrels at the it's a different varietal from France. So uh, this particular distillery in Mexico imports those barrels, and they age this tequila in there for roughly around three years. So that that's kind of so you think about the Cabernet and it's what its fermentation process in that barrel, and now tequilas, you know, I mean, I'm sure they're not (laughs) washing these things out. They're just of course not. No, no. I mean, that's the good stuff, right? So they just transfer them over there, and they're. They're they're aging their tequila in there, so it's picking up all those notes of all the, you know, all the varietal the, those yeah. grapes and so forth. So yeah, it's 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 delicious. It's, it's almost got like easy a color. drinking, right? It, 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 it this is very clean. easy drinking, very clean, very salut. flavorful. Can we say salute? Absolutely, salut. Um, but it almost has like a bourbon color to it, which is totally different from the other four different tequilas we have up here. Correct. Like they're all a lighter with the. This would be as a sipping tequila, right? I mean, you don't yeah. want to mix this. Gosh, you could. I wouldn't want to mix any of these you, we've had well, so yeah, far. Exactly. Like, these are all sipping yeah, tequilas. They're all very easy drinking. Yes. And that's the name of the game, you know? It's just to enjoy it. Really, you know, these families, and, and, and again, we're going to get to this mezcal, which is a father-son, you know, duo, and, and a lot of these are family distilleries, you know, that have been doing this for ages. Now, the popularity of tequila it's tremendous, right? I mean, oh, you, you have booming Hollywood movie stars opening tequila, uh, you know, and it's it's you know it's a great clean, you know, liquor that that people really enjoy, and um, you know, a lot of it's the trend of the bottle too, right? A bottle. You know, we, we have this class of soul. It looks like a genie in a bottle. I, I know. Which like, you know, that's... I really like. It's it's clean. It's good. You know. Like that—that's a decorative piece. Like if yeah. you're if you're if you're gonna go home and throw that away, we'll keep it at the studio and yeah. we'll, we'll make like a decorative icon out of it. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's the attractiveness of the bottle and what draws people in to grab it. It's sure. something they don't know about. That's probably half of it, right? Oh my gosh! I'm from a shelf, if you're looking at it on a on a you know a store shelf, you're probably like, what looks that pretty. Bottle looks yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we eat with our eyes. Right? Yeah, we drink with our eyes. So and and speak and speaking of that, I know we I've. I've Rant and raved enough about the the garlic knots and the Brussels sprouts. So if you're in the Baton Rouge area and you you need to go to Roca, those are the two items you need to order on the menu first and foremost: the garlic knots and the Brussels sprouts at Roca Pizza go wrong. on Government Street, Mid City, Baton Rouge. You can't go wrong with that. But going to the effect of eating with our eyes and having that switch from fast casual to sit down dining 
you then went under the path of opening a fourth concept of Modesto. So what what is all so of that? So Modesto entail? has been on my mind, well, had been in the works for a long time, was to do a more, again, authentic, you know, little traditional Mexican regional. My family's from northern Mexico, which is a lot more European-influenced. Okay. You know, flour tortillas, right? I mean, I grew up rolling out flour tortillas, you know. We made we ate corn too, but the further south you go, the flour evaporate. I mean, it just it's non-existent. So is, is that how it works? I don't. I don't. I'm not correct. Yeah, educated I mean, in any of that. So yeah, it's, it's the northern Mexico is. Flour. I would say 80 percent of Mexico does not eat flour tortillas. You know, it's okay. corn. Right. The, the northern side into Texas, you know, where flour was more probably imported. I was about to say, is it just ease of access? Correct. Yeah. That, okay. I don't think Mexico makes flour. They make corn or maseca, you know. But uh, so, you know, I wanted to to do something, you know, more full service. Obviously, you know, we had the fast casual Tex-Mex Izzo's burrito restaurant um, and, um, you know, kind of showcase, you know, I love Mexican food. I think it's one of the the best cuisines that there is, not, not only from a food standpoint, from a beverage standpoint, because of tequila. Um, and you know, we wanted to, uh, to do something a little different. And so, you know, we make our corn tortillas, you know, from scratch and, you know, uh, we, we kind of took different regions of my travels, you know, growing up, I, I think I took, my family took one American vacation was to Colorado Springs, which I thoroughly enjoyed, mm. you know, but the rest of the time it was to Mexico, Alcapulco, Mazatlan, Ixtapa, Mexico City. So, you know, growing up, our vacations were always in Mexico, which was fine. I didn't have a problem with it. It was just my parents' preference. And so, you know, I tell people Mexico is much like the United States. You go, you go to Seattle, their cuisine is much different from New Orleans. Very much so. Very much so. The, the, and there's, the Seattle cuisine yeah. is extremely different. Now, there's a common, you know, commonality with it was the tortilla, right? Everybody, I mean, Mexico... And a tortilla, but you know, whether it's mole, whether it's you know barbacoa, lengua, or you know, different, you know, cabrito, goat. You know, you're you grew up with goats. We, <laughs> we they weren't they weren't meat goats. We tried to convince my mom to harvest some of the goats for meat, and she just like, mom, we got some, we have you know like two or three bucks out of this litter. Let's just let's just take one. It's like a Spitfire sure. roast of this goat. She there couldn't. Go. She had too much of an emotional attachment yeah. to the goats, and they became more. I mean. If you've ever raised Nubian goats, they they become like dogs, and they literally will come up to you and just rub their head on you, and like you'll sit down, they'll come in your lap. They become like dogs. Oh, they're, yeah, they 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 are domesticated. Oh, they're very much domesticated. Yeah. So my my mom could not part with any of the goats in any fashion to be consumed, um, with the exception of their milk, which yeah. was a product of them. So yeah, no, we we didn't eat goats, but I do I do enjoy goat meat. Well, we ate a lot of goats. A lot of cabrito. So that's what's called cabrito. Yeah, a lot of cabrito. Yeah, my my one of my uncles that we used to visit, uh, he he owned a butcher shop, and and actually I, you know, I, I use his chorizo, you know, chorizo recipe, which is great. It's at Modesto, um, and so, but you know, Mexico is a melting pot. I think a lot of people don't realize that. You know, the French obviously conquered Mexico with Maximilian, and you know, he brought his his you know pastry chefs in and. 
you know, Mexican pastries are unbelievable, and we learned it from the French. You know, we have the, uh, the trompo, which is the spit, which is from the Lebanese. You know, we have the rotisserie, the, 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 the kind of like the, uh, our friends at Albasha, the... Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah the, the whole rotisserie yeah, and everything. Yeah, yeah that, I think yeah. Serops does it, too. Yeah, sure. That, again, uh, we, you know, we, we introduced pork to it, but, you know, whereas they did gyro and chicken or whatever. Uh, so it's a melting pot of different, you know, regional cuisines that became, you know, a lot of natural. So we, we're using a lot of those techniques that we're doing. A lot of a lot of adobo, a lot of chilies, dried chilies that we're rehydrating. Uh, so we're just, but we're trying to. Hey, things are falling down. That's all good. <laughs> it's Scott's. It's Scott's currency bank sign. That's fine. That's it's all good. It's every episode. But you know, we're we're. <laughs> We're trying to uh, we're trying to bring something unique to to you know I think Americans' palates have evolved they really have they're, right? they're looking for something new yes and especially like within Baton Rouge and the surrounding areas if a new like for example Go Eats is the is the parent company if they open a new concept we're more likely to try that than an outsider coming well, and opening a yeah. new restaurant because we want to continue game, supporting right? that brand because we've come to know and love what you have to offer. And so then when you start offering different concepts, we're like, sure. You know, the you expectation were, if, of the service, the quality. Exactly. You know what you're going to get from that family. Everything. Yeah, correct. That's, that's it. So, yeah, Modesto has been fun. It's been a lot of fun just bring, you know, being able to kind of push out some of my heritage, you know, a lot of more, again, authentic regional cuisine through, through that program, you know. And, and we, you know, we plan to expand that. That one, you know, it's been tremendous. Um, the, the community has been very supportive. It's getting busier every week. I think we had our busiest week last week. Uh, you know, it's, it's like, just with any me, reason, like it's just I feel like there's nothing really going, it, well, I guess the, the final four or something yeah, was going the on LSU last week. Baseball. LSU, okay. That's why I love LSU, you know, that area, you know, it's just LSU is a great university that's never going to go away and it's got new people coming in. They've got alumni. So Again, and LSU sports are great. It's hot, you know. So, um, but it's been a great restaurant, and, and we're looking, you know, to open store number two, you know, and we'll see where that takes us. Okay, so the, the existing Modesto is located where? So that was it's on find? Burbank next to Lit, which, which is in the walk-ons, you know, that area with the parking lot. So you've got you've got Izzo's, Lit, and Modesto. Well, Izzo's a little lot. further down okay. towards where the Mellow Mushroom yes. for our folks. Yep. That remember the Mellow Mushroom over there. R.I.P. Mellow Mushroom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Had many great nights over there. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure Clark and Bruno of, very well. A, we, a lot of college students from LSU had yeah. plenty of good we, nights we, in the Mellow Mushroom. Yeah, you know, we, we opened up at the same time. They they opened Mellow, I opened Izzo, so we became really good friends. So uh, did, did, you, did you text them? We outlived you. They closed <laughs> did, we, did we have text back then? I don't even remember. <laughs> well, no. When they closed down, I'm saying uh, when they closed down, you text them. Hey, it was a great run. We're still yeah. here. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it was. It, it was a sad day. That's for sure. Has that been filled yet? Uh, I think there was a, another pizzeria in there. Um, pizzeria. I think there was an M. Okay. The name is escaping me. Mazos. Mazos. Mazzi. Matzas. Okay, we got okay. we got Barrett, Barrett and Jacob chiming yeah. in. Matzas. I've okay. not visited there yet. But. I haven't. I I've been to. I I went down a different uh, college student involvement path than the norm. Tigerland partying. <laughs> I I was 
doing different business ventures and exploring all these different companies that I was trying to start and found and crashed and whatnot. So I didn't go to Mellow Mushroom as frequent. I think I've been to Mellow Mushroom once in its entirety. Really? So I have not been to its new concept or its its new location-filled business mm. of the pizzeria. So I haven't been there yet. So I'm anxious to try it. So with the Modesto being, I mean, you kind of parked a couple of three different lo locations in the LSU area. Is the next Modesto, I mean, do you have an idea as to where it's going to be? Something we can, I mean, we I can, think that's we can the tease problem, for right? people? Are you trying yeah. to find a place? Yeah, I mean, we there's several areas. You know, obviously, uh, I think Ascension Parish has been tremendous, very supportive of all our concepts. Um, you know, so, you know, Ascension Parish is great. Uh, you know, there, there's several great areas in, in Baton Rouge. You know, it's just about finding the right location and, you know, it's probably going to have to be some dirt at this point, you know, and build it. You think so? I think so. And yeah. there's, there's any like vacant spots you can pick and kind of, do you know any retro? Uh, not in the AP. Point me in the right I, direction. I don't, I don't know anything in the AP or the LP, but yeah. maybe in Baton Rouge. LP's been great to us too. Livingston Parish is great. You just got to be careful what side of I-12 you're on. Well, we're over there off Jubin and it's, oh, yeah, you know, we fine, have right? Izzo's and yeah. Lit over there and it's, those are great operating stores, so yeah. So okay, I'm, we're gonna we're gonna start to wrap up and kind of wind down the show, but I want to get to our fine our fifth and final bottle of tequila. Did you which enjoy is, the art now? This was really good. So I, so I I, I enjoy <laughs> you're, you're, like, you're beating me on it. I know, like so I I enjoy uh well you I mean you're doing a lot of the talking, so it makes sense. But I'm I'm a good bourbon drinker. And I like a good love a bourbon. No, yeah, it's good. Good bourbon. Um. And a, rye, a good rye as well. So this was kind of like this kind of like right up my normal yes. alley. It, like it was not a normal tequila flavor. Is not what I normally get. I out think of that's this. what. Yeah, I think people are. They have a maybe a adolescent memory of a cheap tequila. Yeah, that like, they got too drunk on, and they you know, and then it's like <laughs> they, I, they, they I don't want tequila. I mean, it's I, you know, to me, that's it's hard to get something finer. It's it's a great it's a great drink. It, it's very it, clean, it's and it's very easy clean tomorrow. And it's, and it's it doesn't leave you with too much tomorrow. Well, well, good, you wake up clear-headed. We're, we're in tax season, so I need to have a clear head, <laughs> yeah. you know, strong heart. As long as you don't mix sugar in it. You know, the margaritas are That's the sugar in the margaritas. <laughs> I love margaritas, but Mar the sugar in there can are deadly. set you back. They, they, they set you back, and they're very deadly because it takes a while to catch up to yeah. what you've consumed of the margaritas. You know, and I feel like in, in, in Baton Rouge, they all have their hot spots for where they get their margaritas. So you can ask any Baton Rouge person, all right, where, where, like, do you drink margaritas? They're going to say, yes, I drink X, Y, and Z's company's margaritas. Correct. They know exactly where they get their margaritas from. Yeah. And they only go to that restaurant for the margaritas. And so, yeah, margaritas will, they'll come back and bite you the next morning. Oh, they will. So, but sipping tequila like this, going to Modesto and sipping some tequila slowly, you know, and not Having consuming a massive amount. Yeah of margaritas will not give you such a headache and a hangover the next morning. Yeah. Well, we can't guarantee it, but <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, I think it will help so, for sure. So there, our so last the bottle, bottle is a mezcal, uh, a little smokiness. And this, this so, mezcal is mal bien, which translates to, uh, bad good. Uh, it's a father son. I'll say bien's good. Mal it's a father son so combo. Look, Cidro and, and Javier. Cidro and Javier? Yeah. Okay. And uh, father and son, I think they're like third generation, uh, you know, 
mezcal makers. Wait, so do they have the coordinates on the bottle? They might. I, I didn't study it too well. They've got like 17 point some <laughs> yeah, decimals and negative 99. It's kind of a cool bottle. It's, it's a, a very little, cool bottle. doesn't look like a father-son, third-generation Mexican kind of type bottle, right? I mean, it looks a little bit more modern. It, it looks very modern. Like, you get yeah. a very modern feel. It's almost... It's probably what they're going after, though, is to... It's it's like an... Right? To, to, I mean, for the... For the the lack of a better term, it's kind of like an Austin vibe. Yeah, it does. Yeah, like it has like, an Austin vibe. Like that, that's what I get. That's what I feel from looking like this. Is probably like distilled in Austin. Yeah, they're probably you know maybe they had some marketing people come to them or hired them and said, "Do you want to sell?" But they only make two hundred twelve bottles of this a year. So two hundred twelve bottles. So how do you how do you get your, your allocation? Hands, yeah, how do you get an allocation of something? That's Just because we, I mean, again, Wait, you know, so we have great relationship with our vendors. So how many do you have before you open this? Yeah. I don't want to drink the whole bottle tonight. There's only 212 uh, a year. You know, I, I can't, I can't confirm that, but yeah. So um, again, this is um, mezcal, which it's it's cooked agave, right? So it's baked, oven baked, however they're doing, probably pit roasted, oven roast, you know, some sort of natural fire but i'm sure they've commercialized it but that's mezcal and then it's you know aged and it creates a little smokiness in it okay so the the big difference between mezcal and the tequila is the the smokiness of it or well it's a big difference it is a smokiness of it okay right so it's it's um the leaves of the you know agave um which are which are oven baked or cooked, fire roasted, and then uh, distilled and pressed. So, okay, and so th- this this that? has a, a little bit. This has a whole different. It, it's probably going to be a, a little harder, but it's clean. It's very good. It is. It's like it's a it's it smells like it's got a little stiffness to it, but it also you get that sense that it'll go down easy. If that makes any kind of sense. So it, you know, for me, it's kind of a vaquero drink, you know? It's a little cowboy drink. A little bit more. Yeah, you do. Robust. Like ca- cow- cowboy is the way yeah. I would describe it. <laughs> right? I don't I don't know how it's cowboy, smokiness, but it is cow- yeah. the smokiness. Like, I feel like Very this Very effective, would, though. I feel like it would, it's, by itself, it would stand alone as great, like ranch water or something. Like well, it, cause it, it's, it's also, a great drink It's also mix. refreshing, I but mean, it is, I, is a little, like... Yeah, you, know, you can add some topo, which we've got here, here, you know? I don't, I don't know to, if I want to add topo to it. I mean, well, I mean, just to, you know, oh, you can mix it, I'll but chase, you can drink chase it. chase it with topo. There you go. You can chase it with topo. That's probably a good idea. Uh, but, you know, mezcal makes some great cocktails. So, I mean, you know, adding bitters to it. I mean, there's so many different things you do it. I mean, you know, some of these mixologists do an incredible job with mezcal. It, it's, it's a great drink. Or great liqueur to 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 really mix. Yeah. It's it's not something you want to sip. You can, but it's usually it's mixed. it's usually made more for mixing. Yeah, so I guess that's how they get the what two hundred and twelve bottles to stretch a little longer. Yeah, you know, two hundred twelve bottles seems like very it's very boutiqueish. Huh? Yeah, I mean that's like rough math, like four bottles a state, <laughs> <laughs> like just rough math. Yeah, that's, well, they must be charging quite a bit for it. So. Yeah, I mean that's, but it's really good, and I always, I always try to seek out those like unique, different other distilleries or brands that are not your, your everyday commonality. And I mean, I know it's, 
I say that as a, as we have a Michelob Ultra mini fridge in the studio, but I still like to seek out different items that are not on the beaten path, something Correct. that's unique and independent per se, yeah. which this falls within that category. If it's a father and son distillery, like what they're doing, the low production that they have is exciting that it's made its way to Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Correct. Like that to me is exciting. No, it is. And, and look, I mean, Homage to, to Sean Courtney, you know, our director of hospitality. Tremendous talent with beverage, wine, our wine program at Roca. Very, I mean, he's he's like a, you know, knowledgeable, very knowledgeable, unbelievable knowledgeable. And, and so with tequilas and mezcals and so forth and whiskeys, we have great whiskeys, uh, which is in our namesake at Modesto. You know, we wanted to offer some great whiskeys. So, again, we're, we're trying to, produ- you, you hit the nail on the head. It's like, Something that you can't necessarily find at your local grocery store, right? You're looking to expand your palate. You're looking to expand your, you know, your offerings. And, and that's kind of what we're offering is something different and, and something unique and something that uh, is, you know, great for our guests. Right. I mean, you want, you want something that people have to come back to your restaurant time and time again to experience. Well, we want to educate. I mean, again, and it's educate. an experience. Yeah, yeah. It's an experience, right? That's what we're looking to do. When you go out to eat, you're looking for an experience. Absolutely. Because if, if not, you can just go buy whatever you want in the store sure. and then bring yeah. it back home and yeah. make it at home in the convenience. Correct. But if you have to go to some place to experience it, and I think in a, a, a post-pandemic world, that's what we're after. We're well, after an experience, something we can go live through. 100%. And really just embody ourselves Correct. in within the concepts of what you've got here, like Correct. within Modesto, within Roca. Like it's, you go there for the experience. Sure. So, I mean, you have a family of how many now? Three? We're, we're, we're just three. We're three. Just, we're, we just have okay. one boy. We just got one boy. Yeah. So do you find that cooking at home or versus eating out, what is your take on that So from a, from a dollar so, standpoint? So he's on, well... That's the well, trouble. he's that, yeah. that's the trouble. I'm looking yeah. at it from an experience standpoint instead you're, of a dollar. You're basically standpoint. eating for two, though. Still. Correct. And so he's only five months. He's he's not even five months. What's yet. his name? His name is Quentin Douglas. Oh, Quentin. That, I like that. So mm-hmm. we wanted we wanted to go unique, but we named him Douglas after my dad. Um, but so his name is Quentin, and he does well at restaurants, depending on when he's last eaten. Sure. So if we if we time him right, like we we went and met my in laws for dinner at a restaurant off the Jefferson, some Italian joint. I don't know the name of it. It was the very La first Quintera? time. La Quintera. Is that the big one? I don't know. No, you no, said no I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Not not Italian. It was more. Um, so I think it's in the same shopping center as that, but it's off way to the right by itself. Uh, uh, it's not Eliza. Uh, yes. Eliza. Great re- Eliza. 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 We call it Eliza. 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 Yeah. Great same, restaurant. Great, yeah. really great restaurant. I misspoke. It's not Italian. It's Louisiana cuisine. Yes. Um, so that is next to the big Italian place. So that was the first time I've ever been there. And so we drove around the parking lot like four or five, probably 10, 15 minutes to get him to fall asleep. And he was fine within sitting in his high chair, sitting in his car seat while we ate dinner. And so he's good in that respect. And so, like, we've been to a couple of different restaurants where we just keep him in his car seat, and he's good. And so we're able to enjoy a night out. But so when he wakes up, we have to quickly leave, like, if he starts crying and screaming and whatnot. So at home, we have the more convenience of cooking and putting him in, a, in like, a little rocker or a chair sure. or a bouncer 
And so he's not quite to that phase where when he's awake, he's still able to kind of interact with everybody in a restaurant setting and be sure. okay with it. So when he gets older, I'm sure we're going to enjoy yeah. getting back to the restaurant atmosphere. So cooking, you're basically cooking for two. Yeah, we're we're cooking for yeah, you yeah, know, he he's taking he's taking a formula you, a formula bottle yeah. with like some oatmeal mixed in. Correct. Like that that's where we're at. So how do you feel for cooking for two from a inflationary cost standpoint? You go to the grocery store, you want to cook steaks, get a bottle of wine, you want to make some mashed potatoes and asparagus, yeah. right? So, so you, you have the the not only the the time to go to go shopping. Right. What's well, the cost? Mm-hmm. The preparation and it's, the execution, yeah, the cleanup, yeah. So, where I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm asking as, yeah, because yeah, yeah. I mean, you're not in the restaurant industry, right? Not directly, no, not directly. You're right. a consumer, not, not directly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm a consumer. I mean, but that that can so it, it, it seems it does. like it's getting when, expensive when you break it down to a price per meal. And so, as as a, as a CPA, I do this weird thing where I do monthly financials for my wife sure. and I for our household. I present her financials, and we discuss it and go through everything. So we're able to see and track, and then I do comparative financials. So I'm able to see what I spent last year to this year for the month. And so I'm noticing for 2022 our eat out category because I have our within our meals and entertainment, I have eat in and eat out. Oh, wow. And so I separate it. Wow, you're on the ball. Well, I'm a CPA. I've got to be. I'm a <laughs> CPA. I've got to be. So, like, and I, I track all that. I've got, like, f- probably four or five years worth of data, and so I can track and look through all that. And so looking through the eat in versus eat out, our eat out has dropped, which is expected when you have a newborn. It's expected you're not going to eat out as much. 100%. But our food cost has, like, not really changed as much as I thought it would. Like, I thought eating in, our cost would drop. But it really hasn't. And so when, when when looking at that and looking at what we're eating in versus what we're eating out, like we're balancing out. But to your point of going to the going to the grocery store, buying all these items that you now have to prepare this meal, that you then have to cook this meal, you have to clean up after this meal, the time it takes to do all that, I get why we went out so much before Correct. we had Quentin yeah. was the fact that the ease. Like to drive to Roca and to eat at Roca was probably an hour and a half experience. To cook the same meal that Roca provided was not an hour and a half experience. Yeah, that's true. It, it was yeah. a lot longer. We're hearing it, a lot of that. I think it's more pronounced now. With, yeah. P- people right? are now seeing it a lot more. Correct. And I'm not, so my, my family raises cattle. So my, my, my thoughts and my, out, my, my, look, my viewpoint on beef is not the same as everybody else's viewpoint on beef because I'm getting my beef from the harvested cows that we have. But... Going to, for example, going to Iverstein Farms Butcher, which Galen's is a, doing a great a, job, a past guest of the job. show. Galen has done an amazing yeah, job, great job all through COVID, all through this pandemic. Absolutely amazing. He knows what he's doing. Knows what the cuts of meat. Need to go are see phenomenal. him. Phenomenal. Yeah. yeah, if you haven't been his, to Iverstein, get on his weekly delivery yes. program. Yeah, it, it, it's really amazing what he's doing and the cuts of beef you're getting from him. But going through that route of purchasing all that beef versus what it was two, three years ago is a different price sure. point. But, yeah, I, I would love to get to the point where we're able to go back into a restaurant and enjoy that more because it is that experience that you're after when yeah. you go to a restaurant. Sure. Whereas if you're home, it's nice, it's relaxed, it's ca- it's very casual. Correct. 
but there's something to be said about that restaurant experience versus in-home experience that you just can't compare the two. Well, you can, but I mean, everyone loves it. In I love a home cooked meal, right? And and hundred percent, it's definitely more affordable to cook at a home cooked meal. I don't, but it's getting. I think I think the pendulum, is, it's is, getting close. Is getting closer. So it depends on you want steak night, like I said. Yeah, you want to cook like, a burrito, like, like fillet Friday. If you want to make a burrito, you want to do black beans, you know, Mexican rice, steak, cheese, sour cream, wok. You know, you, tortillas. You you go to the store to buy all that. By the time you do all that, and is it is it you know that's it's it's interesting that the dynamic has shifted a little bit. It's what I'm hearing from from and, a lot of our guests. And you're also not buying just for one night, correct? Like if you if you buy the ingredients to make your burritos, your fajitas, your tacos, whatever you're making. You're not buying just enough for that one night. You're going to have some lunch left over. You are. So you're going to have that meal spill that is, into over meals. Sure. Which, if you, that there's a lot of people out there that don't like leftovers. I I'm, get I'm it. one of them. I get it. I'm not one of them. You like leftovers? I survive on leftovers. Do you? Love That's me awesome. some leftovers. That's awesome. That's I, that. What are my lunch? My lunches. Whenever my, my wife and I have our, our sun quote unquote Sunday meetings to plan the week, we're like, all right, how many lunches do we need to make? How many lunches do we need to buy? We look at it, and I'm like, all right, well, we don't need lunches because we've got all these leftovers, and I'll just eat those for lunch. And so I thrive on leftovers, but not everybody does. So if you don't thrive on leftovers, you can see a potential high waste output of what you're cooking you're whenever right. you order from the, whenever you go and purchase yeah. goods from the grocery store. You're going to be cooking, and it's going to be a high waste. But at a restaurant, you're getting just what you need sure. cooked to the exact specifications well, I, I that think, you want. I think a lot of us are busy, right? Yeah. You have... We, yeah, we, were, we were not yeah. busy for two years. Well, that's gone. You, you know, that's so far gone. You have both parties working. Yeah, kids are after school activities, whether it's baseball or sports or you name it. You know, and by the time you get out, it's six six o'clock, six thirty. Even later than that. Yeah, you know? it my, might be later. Than my that. brother-in-law was telling me yeah. that they're playing a baseball game at Traction with a seven fifty start time. Oh yeah, for like seven eight year olds. Like, that's way that's past my oh, bedtime yeah. at seven fifty eight o'clock. Come hey, on now, the, the American pastime baseball is is great. I love it. My kids play it. Sport. It's very fun. Yeah, but you know it's it's it's, it, it's, a, it's adjusting that family be, dynamic of when you correct. go to bed, when you eat dinner, like all that's being adjusted. Yeah, it's good fun out there being at the park though. It is. All right. It's a lot of fun. It is. Well, it you, is. You, I mean, you have a boy. I have a boy. I'm, He'll I'm, be playing baseball soon enough, so you'll you'll be out there. Well, see, that's the trouble. See, so yeah. I'm so I'm. He'd be sponsored by the Patty G Show. Oh, whatever sport he plays, <laughs> I will sponsor that team for yeah. sure. But so, tr the trouble is, I never, I never really played a lot of those sports growing up. So I was, um, I did running, I did swimming, and we did uh, triathlons. That was my sport. Triathlons, triathlons, oh, like, well, like, like that was cross not country. Not many people do triathlons. No, and I. I it's not a sport I would recommend to the masses. It's <laughs> it's a sport for those yeah. that want to undergo some punishment um, because it is it's three sports that are widely wildly different but somehow come together in a in a harmony within an event. And so that's what we did. We did we did I did running, I did swimming, and I did triathlons. And the reason being is because I'm technically I'm blind in my left eye, so I oh, can't I can't I see it. I can't technically see it on my left eye. And so, like, wow. all those sports where an object, a ball is coming at you, baseball, football, sure. 
like oh. soccer. Um, a little difficult. It's what? a little difficult because the depth perception isn't there yeah. whenever like a ball is like is flying at you. My last game I played as a baseball uh, athlete was in like second or third grade. Somebody hit a pop fly and I had my hand up with the, with with my glove and I missed it and it hit me right in the face. That was my last game of baseball. Yeah. So not your my, finest moment. It's not my <laughs> finest moment. But if my son wants to play baseball, by all means, I'll let him play some baseball. Yeah. But I'm really pushing like you know like some golf or something. Oh yeah, well, something that's, I, I, yeah. that's a lot less. Yeah, well, social you know. sports are great. Those but are lifelong nephew, sports. Yeah, but my nephew, I love loves tennis. Baseball. I play tennis and golf. At tennis, golf, all yeah. of it is yeah. a, is a great lifelong sport, like you said. But my nephew loves baseball, and they were out at traction for like 12 hours on Sunday. And very competitive. Very, very competitive. And they all, if you think you're good, you're not that good. So someone else right. is better. <laughs> <laughs> if you start talking about how good you yeah. are, yeah. you're really not that good. Yeah. yeah. So, um, oh, well, all right. So we got to wrap up the show. Well, fun <laughs> times, man. We, we talked quite a bit. We, 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 we did, but we, we got a we lot still, of, we still got some questions to cover. So hang on. Now. All right. We all right. So we have, we have four, four, four distinct questions we ask every show. No, do you put um, me on the spot here? Yeah. But it's, I text you about it. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. So first and foremost, um, what are three lessons you've learned along your way? So you've got, you know, what is it? Five different, five different concepts over the course of what twenty-one years. So over that time frame, what are three lessons you've gathered in your industry along the way? In my industry, yeah, that's a great question. I mean, there's several things probably, but what comes to mind is, is, you know, treat people with dignity and respect. The number one thing, I think, regardless of regardless. industry. I mean, it's we're all on this earth and human beings, and we all put our pants on the same way, right? So, well, I wouldn't being, go that far. <laughs> <laughs> being yeah. humble, yeah. being, you know, being believing in our in our team. That's another thing. I mean, is is given, you know, not micromanaging people, right? From an, if you're asking from a business standpoint, it's allowing that freedom of management. Uh, not deviating from the business concept, but every manager is different. Every person's different, you know. Um, and again, it's you know, th- I think the third thing would be just not cutting corners, believing, you know, staying true to your principles. Right? What what got you here? It's not forgetting where you came from, and and again, the quality of the product, the quality of the service. You know, all of that ties in together. Um, just integrity. Yeah, I, I love all three of those. I mean, that's yeah. for any business, you've got to have that at your core. That's it. So what is something you did as a kid you wish you could still do today? Skateboard. I skateboarded too. I had a half bike in my backyard. I mean, I was a Pal Peralta. Wow, you were the cool kid on the block. Bones. Yeah, I mean, that I grew up. You know, skulls and bones. I mean, I, Absolutely. I was a, you know, what is a Christian Hasoy or, you know, <laughs> Tony Hawk, obviously, and, you know, all those guys, you know, the Bones Brigade. I loved skateboarding, and, you know, it was something. I wasn't very good at it. I, I won't say that, you know, I won't brag that I was good at it, but I tried. Yeah, I, I uh, still have a little tailbone issues from it. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I, I credit skateboarding to my love of wakeboarding. I love wakeboarding. So I, I love wakeboarding. Snow, even though I've only been snowboarding once, it's still very similar in that of 
wakeboard. Not the same, but still similar into that aspect. But yeah, I skateboarded for a long time growing yeah. up as a teenager and all that. My a buddy of mine, you had a half pike in your yard that you built, whether it was my with dad, your dad or by yourself. Yeah. You were the cool kid on the block. Yeah, we and used to drop. Everybody in, would drop flock in. would flock to oh, your wait. street. Yeah, we had quite a few. It was an after school activity. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, my first board was a Vision Gator. You remember those? I don't know. I mean, hey, you're younger gator. than me. Right. I'm 48, so I'm not not yeah. not there. I'm yeah. not there yet. Yeah. A little Vision, a little, little younger. A great board. No, we had the um like the Wally Underworld or whatever it was called. That was like our our big brand. Sure. So yeah. okay, the tracker so trucks, the independent trucks. Or yep. Yeah, the independent trucks. Yeah. yeah. I built I built one skateboard and that was it. Like after I built it, I enjoyed it, loved yeah. it, and then that was the end of my skating hey, career. Skateboarding's kind of lost. My kids just didn't. My, I think my oldest son kind of maybe had like a maybe a six month it, appeal to it, and it, yeah. it just lost its. It's it's, aura. it's but come, I was all into it. It's it's come and go and become a lot less mainstream. Yeah. And then like you you if you ever watch or follow like Tony Hawk on social media, it's funny to see his interactions because. He'll have people who are in a skateboarding ask him to like take a picture with somebody else who's like more like now in now, skateboarding. Yeah. And they'd be like, hey, you random person, can you take this photo? And he's like, yeah. I'm Tony Hawk. I've changed the game for all of you guys. Yeah, really? Sure, I'll take the photo. <laughs> <laughs> but so, yeah, okay. So, skateboarding. Um, so, moving from Houston to Baton Rouge to get out of that saturated market for your business. This question revolves around our city as a whole, and it is what do you love about Baton Rouge? I think it's the entertainment. The I mean, the people, obviously, right? I mean, but it's the entertainment. I feel like Baton Rouge. Again, I connect with it because my family entertained. We had family, friends over. My mom entertained. When we go out to eat, going out to eat in Baton Rouge is a it's part of our DNA. It's like part of our DNA. You know, we need it to... It's an event. It's an event, right? I mean, we, we take pride in our restaurants and eateries and, and crawfish bowls and at-home entertainment, right? I mean, we... We're, dinner we're parties. food. Yeah. So I, I think that the culture, I relate to a lot, right? Family, close-knit family, right? Entertainment, that those values, those core values. And I think that's what Baton Rouge in its essence, really displays, which I love. You know, my wife, you know, grew up in Galveston, Texas, and she would not, she would not move out of Baton Rouge. Yeah, she loves Baton really? Rouge. Yeah, yeah. We have a lot of. I mean, we, you know, obviously, it's been great to us, not only from a, a business standpoint, but from a, friendship standpoint. You know, we have a lot of great friends, and uh, I think it's a great place to raise your family, uh, kids. You know, our kids. You know. Uh, it's interesting, you know, me being a Texan by birth, but my kids were from Louisiana, right? I mean, you know, so crawfish bowls and it's part of the know, culture. That's, that's it. It's part of the culture. And that's, to me, that's the beauty of it. Right. And that's, I mean, I live and breathe that every day. The music. I mean, every, I mean, the, the, the culture here is unbelievable. Yeah. Right? I mean, and the, the people that make up the culture are really yeah. what leaves an impact on Correct. you. Correct. It's those that you meet and interact with every single day. That really give you that sense of, oh, I don't, I don't really want to leave. You know, Correct. you want to stay. Yeah, we have something unique here. I mean, right? We all kind of embrace, right? We, you we, can we get do. your arms. I, I don't know that other parts of the country necessarily have the commonality that 
we, we look past South a lot Louisiana of defects right? within, within our city. We look past a lot of defects within our city sure. to come together for the greater good of all the people that make us up. Yeah, 100%. So for the final question, what can I do to help you, Ozzy? Well, that's, I didn't expect that question, but uh, <laughs> I think you're doing a great job. I mean, being on the show with you, you know, and being able to tell my story, I don't know that I've gotten this personal I don't know that the tequila probably helped a little bit. <laughs> to go through uh, five bottles of tequila yeah, will really I mean, do we, that to you. We've had quite a bit. Yeah. We're, we're a little liquid courage, never, but no. But, you know, having this conversation with you, just kind of opening up, you know, it, it's an interesting dynamic to, to really display your story of who you are and uh, what you stand for and what you, where you're going, right? Because we're, if you're not growing, you're dying, you know? And yeah. That's something I believe in. Like we're consistently, whether it's mentally or educationally or business or whatever, if you're not growing, you're dying, you know? So, um, and to be on the show with you, it's been great. It's been a great experience. It's been fun. You know, specifically, I'm sure I'll see you at the restaurants. You already go oh, to yeah. Roca, you know, you're already, you're already helping us out. So I don't, I don't R know. R Roca lit and, uh, is those are, are frequent within the household and within, you, with, and, with, and within our, within our business. So salute, sal salute to that. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, thank you, man, for coming on the show. Yeah. I really appreciate your time and thoroughly enjoyed it. making this happen. This was, this was a blast. Yeah. We've got a, sorry to ramble. I like to ramble sometimes. You know? We love that. We welcome <laughs> it. R random, random. Thanks uh, Baton Rouge. We appreciate you. Yeah. So if you're, if you're in Baton Rouge and you're looking for your next place, your meal, or what is it? I don't know. Like, Six yeah. thirty, seven o'clock right now, and you're looking for some place to eat. Check out one of these great concepts. You've got Modesto, you've got Roca, you've got Lit, you've got Izos. If you're looking for any place during the lunch rush tomorrow, absolutely keep them on your list. And if you're looking for a local person who has moved in here, fully embraced the culture, and really made a habit of what we have to offer in Baton Rouge, the Go Eats concept family is the place for you. So I thank you to Ozzy for coming on the show, man. Appreciate it. I'm going to give a shout-out to my buddy Conrad for making Hell this yeah. happen. Bucky. Uh, Bucky? Is that what he's called, Bucky? Yeah. I'm going to start calling yeah, him Bucky for now. Don't call him Conrad. Call him Bucky. All right, Bucky. Yeah. All right. He's at the LSU baseball game tonight. Right? I know. He's quote-unquote. This is what he told us. He said, I can't <laughs> come tonight, y'all, because I'm babysitting the kids at the <laughs> no, LSU a, baseball uh, game. Chore. It was a chore. It was a chore. Yeah, I have the chore of taking the kids to the baseball game. Yeah, he's a good dad, though. He takes the kids always over there. But I mean, I think he, want, he was just. I think it was mislabeled. I think yeah. it was mislabeled yeah. because if anyone has ever taken a child to like an LSU <laughs> baseball game, it's not really a chore. I mean, there's some work involved. Don't get me wrong. Sure. But like, that's a fun time. Oh, taking great. your kids to the ba LSU baseball at Alex yeah. Box? Come on. Well, he, he spends every weekend at the baseball. His son's playing baseball. So oh. he, he's a travel ball. That's guy. why I don't see him in the office. Yeah. All right, this makes a lot more sense now. <laughs> okay. All right. Bucky? Bucky. Bucky, I'm coming Bucky for you. And I'm Kelly. coming for you, Bucky. Bucky, Bucky and, and Kelly. Bucky Kelly? No, Kelly's his wife. Oh, okay. All right. Bucky, Bucky and Kelly. Kelly. I'm coming after you, Bucky. That's right. Um, anyways, Ozzy, thank you so much, man. This has been a fun time. Um, y'all, if y'all want any of these tequilas we talked about tonight Come throughout the show, go see Ozzy or his Great crew bartenders at Modesto. There. Yeah. And so they can find you right around LSU's campus. Yeah, right on Burbank Drive, right by Walk-Ons, Lit Pizza, right next door. Look, Burbank Drive, you'll hit up three of their locations out of the four. You'll hit 75% for those <laughs> college students. That's a passing grade with flying colors. Well, y'all, this has been the latest rendition of the Patty G Show. I'm your host, Patty G. 
We're signing out. Big thanks to Cheers. our lovely sponsors that make this show possible. Give us the ability to sit here and sip on some tequila. We'll see you all in the next one. Adios. Thank you all so very much for listening to this episode of the Patty G Show brought to you by Government Taco. They're located on the corner of Government Street and Jefferson Highway. Jay is always slinging up a new taco of the month. So if you're a frequenter to Government Taco, let us know in the comments what you thought about this month's taco of the month. If you're not a frequenter, maybe trying out this month's taco might just convert you. Big thanks over to them at Government Taco for making the Patty G Show possible. Thank you so very much to our sponsor, Falaya Real Estate. They are the all-in-one real estate platform for you, whether you're buying or selling. They've got options starting out at $399 to sell your home. The average lister saves anywhere from $7,800 on their closing of their home. It's really incredible what they're doing with it. Barrett is amazing at Falaya. Jacob, they're going to help you through the entire process from start to finish and really treat you like family. At Horizon Financial Group, we enjoy helping others achieve greater confidence, clarity, and direction in their lives. We realize everyone's path to financial success is unique. Sometimes you just need a friendly guide along the way. Whether it's customized financial planning, individual wealth management, or servicing your company's retirement plan, we've got the team with the experience to help you reach your goals. Horizon Financial Group, helping you provide, protect, and prosper for those counting on you. Visit us at horizonfg.com. Satera Advisors, LLC. Member FINRA SIPC. Satera is a separate entity. Thank you to Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge for making this show possible. Nick Pintus is a past guest. We love having him on. Listening to him talk about the culture they have over at Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge is really an incredible thing to hear how they treat not only their employees, but every customer that walks through the door. You are more than just a number to them. They're going to give you that white glove concierge service every step of the way. They're going to make you feel like family and take what can be a stressful time in people's life, shopping for a car. They're going to make it so enjoyable and so pleasurable. You're going to want to go back there time and time again for every new vehicle. Thank you so very much for Mercedes-Benz of making this show possible. Thank you so very much to Mallard Bay Outdoors, the Airbnb for the outdoor sportsmen. If you're looking to book a hunt or a fishing trip, this is the platform to use. They were a past guest of the Patty G Show. We got to learn all about what they're doing from the ground up. They are really revolutionizing the booking process for hunts and fish all across the country for your next hunting or fishing experience, or maybe your corporate retreat. You're looking for something to do for your employees, book a hunt or a fishing trip with Mallard Bay Outdoors, and they will take care of you every step of the way from organizing it with the guides and the captains to making sure you can take care of them at the end of the trip. Mallard Bay Thank you so very much to Currency Bank, a proud sponsor of the Patty G Show. If you are looking for a business bank that fosters on three core values, relationships, service, and technology, Currency Bank is the place for you. They pride themselves on convenient, accessible, and secure online banking resources where you can manage your account balances, initiate transfers, enroll with e-statements, and more via their online portal. Between the relationships, the service, and the technology, they are going to be that partner with your business every step of the way, regardless of what you need. Currency Bank is the bank for business owners. Simple plan, don't want a complication.